0: This time last year women were allowed to compete in the World Championship.
1: Is it not just a little unladylike? I
2: don't see that it's any more unfeminine than a lot of
1: other sports. It's very much unrecognised how skillful some ladies can be in, in, in the game. It's just, there's just no skills competition to show how good they are. As a team,
2: but we're not asking for much only respect at the end of the day. Why
3: will <laughs> you're not, the, I thought they were all very nice girls
1: here in Frenchwood. <laughs> oh, you're only good, you're not fast, you're not tough and all. In October 2018,
4: 20 by 20 was launched with a mission to tackle a deeply ingrained bias around boys and girls, or men and women, when it comes to sport. The name 20 by 20 refers to three measurable targets, to increase media coverage, participation, and attendances for women in sport by 20% by the end of 2020. This is really about changing hearts and minds. And as 20 by 20 comes to the end of its two year run, We're looking at the shape of the future for women in sport and crucially, the choice we all have for how we play it next. I'm Sarah Colgan and you're listening to Choose What's Next, a 20 by 20 special.
0: As you can imagine, Claire, the party has already started here in Croke Park as Dublin celebrate their very first All-Ireland ladies senior football title. When the Dublin women's team, football team, won their first ever All-Ireland in 2010, it was a typically low attendance in Croke Park. It was so exciting because as a Dublin fan, I had never seen a Dublin captain in my lifetime lift a trophy.
1: Two teams in search of a first ever title, but in the opening minutes, only one of them was in this game.
0: When the women won that All-Ireland, there was no hysteria around it that you'd been accustomed to seeing when men's county teams had won All-Ireland. So the big build-up coverage in the paper and on the news, the up for the match on the Saturday night, all the TV coverage on the Sunday, all the news coverage after, the team hotel, where you're interviewing the player, the match, and the captain, and then the Monday morning, the hospital visits, and the homecoming. I didn't see any of that for the women's team, and it was only the following year when the Dublin men won their first All-Ireland in 16 years. And, like, I took three days off work in order to experience all of that, but it was a completely different experience, completely different, and that's only 10 years ago. My name is Elaine Buckley, I'm a sports journalist and I work in production with RTE Sport. I feel largely positive about it because I think there has been so much progress in such a short amount of time, but the gap is still massive.
3: The way I address it is I come back to a set of twins. I have twins, they both happen to be girls. But if I had a girl and a boy, and they were seven years of age, for me, it's about are the foundations there to give them the equal opportunity to be the best that they can be, whether that's at elite level, whether that's a club level, or whether that's just a participation level. Are the building blocks there in order for them to have the equal opportunity to enjoy sport, or to succeed at sport, if that's what they choose or want to do in equal measure. I'm Ryle Nugent, Director of Stakeholder Sport and former Group Head of Sport at RTE. Dealing with an issue like this inequality, the biggest part of dealing with it for me is recognising that it exists and making people aware of it. And, And in the last two years, I think the 20 by 20 movement, because that's what it's been, has done more to make people aware of the issue than had been done in the 20 years previously.
0: So Ireland make history on this St. Patrick's Day. The grit, determination and passion they've shown throughout this campaign has been rewarded as they are crowned Grand Slam champions.
1: It's not even equality, but just a level of respect that just did not exist. And I, I, I keep going back to it and people ask me about... Uh, like, I, I've no right to lay claim to women in sport because the majority of the stuff I write about is men. but. In around 2012, I'd always reported on All-Ireland finals, Camogie finals, f- ladies football finals, and uh, football internationals at women's teams. And, but it was only around 2012, I started to look at the women's rugby team, Fiona Cocklin and Lincoln team, that I started to understand just how little respect they're shown. I'm Gavin Komsky, and I'm a journalist for the Irish Times.
0: Another Briggs penalty put Ireland in front and they clung onto that 6-3 lead until the end, withstanding huge pressure, showing calm and discipline to finish the job. When the women's rugby team got to a Grand Slam final in 2013, and they won their first and only Grand Slam, they went through so many years of getting battered by England and France, and it was only when they got to a position where they might win a Grand Slam that people wanted to give them attention, and that's just not fair. So I think women's sport has always had to achieve above and beyond in order to warrant any sort of attention. The smiles and tears on the mud-streaked faces, summing up just what this victory means for the team and for women's rugby.
3: The use of language is really, really important as well. I mean, one of the things I've been disappointed with is to see that in some cases we haven't moved away from using vocabulary like ladies like differentiating sport between the rugby and the women's rugby like we need to step away from that there absolutely needs to be differentials it's a requirement when you're talking about the soccer results from last night you may need to say the women's but you may also need to say the men's why would it be So here are the soccer results and here are the women's soccer results. That's, again, a small, small point, but in terms of the language and the psychology of what we're trying to achieve here, ultimately, it needs to be addressed. It's just the sport, it's it's just sport. So if you're gonna differentiate the women, why not differentiate the men's? And there are times you're gonna need to do that. There's no question about that. You need to recognise the difference between the under-8 girls and the under-8 boys. Call it the under-8 girls and the under-8 boys, not the under-8s. And the under eight girls. And there's a lot of that still going on. And it's it's not intentional, it's not intended, but it is reinforcement of there is a difference. It's absolutely unbelievable, God. The effort that was put out there today, it wasn't pretty, but we stuck out what we were about. We changed the conditions, which were horrific, and that's oh, absolutely amazing, absolutely brilliant.
2: I can see it that unconscious bias is hugely He's a huge factor in this. I'm Cleon O'Leary, I'm Deputy Head of Television, Sport in RTE and I'm Chair of the EBU's Women in Sport Expert Group. I found that myself. I didn't realise that I had an unconscious bias on gender equality working within the media for so many years. I joined 23 years ago, like I did gender studies in college, would have seen myself as a feminist, entered into media, sports media felt very privileged and still feel very privileged to be a part of it. But it wasn't until 2013, when I met Sharon Hutchinson from sportswomen.ie, and she was on the audience council with RT at the time and she questioned me about our women in sports coverage and she asked me to speak at a women in media conference in Ballybunion and she asked me to answer the question can sports journalism be the trojan horse for women's sport? Once I started to write that, I started to see what I was thinking. I started to write it out on page and I was I was quite shocked at what I was saying. I started to question women's interest in sport. I started to question women's support of other women. I questioned everything. I started to blame women and I couldn't believe that that's where I was going with this. I always think back to, uh, to something Sonia O'Sullivan said in late
0: 2018, when at the same time in the month of November, Katie Taylor's documentary came out and Cora Staunton's autobiography came out. And Sonia cited these two pieces of work coming out as such progress for women's sport because they were the the, the ones to take up the mantle after her and have that kind of profile that would warrant a documentary and the first Gaelic Games autobiography of a woman. But well, Sonia said it, I remember she wrote a column for the Irish Times and she was, she was talking about how genuinely happy she was to see this documentary and this book coming out in the same month because when she was a young girl she didn't have those kind of access to those kind of things to look at and I think she quoted the Penguin Book of Saints as something that she read for inspiration. So like whereas we're, now we're like, oh, Cora Staunton, Katie Taylor, Sonia O'Sullivan, she was like, St. Bridget. <laughs>
1: the world is changing now and things have changed really rapidly so things can actually happen now that's what you saw the acceleration of 20 by 20 where it went from a really good idea into something that just everyone had to get involved with you know everyone had to and it became a symbol it is established in sporting organizations now that um you will be exposed if you don't look after your elite female athletes or your or your female athletes have the potential to be elite female athletes if you If you let them go by the wayside while you put your investment into males who are equally talented, um, who have the potential to much more earning power and much more earning power for you, but you will be exposed if you do not give them the, again, it comes back to recognition and respect. Like these are the base level things that if we can get them established in society, which we're not there yet, if we can get that established in Irish
3: sport, um, remarkable things will happen. You look at some of the major blue chip companies and they deserve enormous credit for saying, actually, you know what? We're going to do something good with with the financial clout that we can bring to, to sponsorship. It's given a it profile, it's given it backing, it's given it, in some cases, a subconscious legitimacy. And And when you see a well-known whether it be an iconic brand or, or, or a brand that, that that simply exists in the in the day-to-day activity of, of, of all of our lives engage with a national local whatever it might be team or individual and they happen to be women that's just reinforcing it, 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 it it's what it's what i guess as boys we always saw it was we had the shirt with that whatever the company was on it, and and that was a badge of honour.
2: For me, the women's hockey
0: team has been transformational on a number of reasons. Number one, they were really excellent at what they do, but also they were really articulate, intelligent women who were able to tell their stories. They were not afraid of engaging with social media or giving interviews during the tournaments. We all felt that we knew them by the time they got to the final.
1: This is what silver means. Ireland's most successful field sports team. Runners-up in a Hockey World Cup that they blazed a trail across.
0: This team had never, they they had missed out in Rio in the most heartbreaking fashion. Again, nobody knew about that. But then they did qualify for their first major tournament. After so many years of trying for these same players, they got to the second World Cup final and nobody knew that they had qualified. So that, I, I just remember being really angry about that on the day because that, that's, that's the big change that's needed where you're recognising people qualifying for a tournament as a major achievement because it is. And then people know, oh right, so that's going to be happening next summer and they start to factor it into their thinking.
1: The team faced the best in the world, the Netherlands winning their eighth title, Ireland their first silver in a stadium that was a sea of green
0: in following that that particular team's journey one of the saddest things that i've ever seen was when they didn't qualify for the olympics in rio because the core group of players that now have world cup silver medals put their lives on hold for three years in a bid to qualify for the rio olympics and at the forefront of that is a woman called Megan Fraser, who was is a former captain of the Irish hockey team. Megan is Ireland's ask anyone involved in hockey, who is Ireland's world-class player? And it's Megan Fraser. She's the greatest hockey player that this island has ever produced, bar none. And the standards that she brought as captain and standards that she brought to the pitch to facilitate those playing around her put them in a position where they were on the brink of qualifying for the rio olympics they were playing china who were ranked 12 places higher than them at the time it went to a penalty shootout in the shootout her being captain went last and she hit the post that was it, it was over. Like I actually get emotional thinking about it.
1: This tournament was a staging post for Irish guts and skill, and a team that covered themselves in glory and won the hearts of the nation. You'll know that we've we've really progressed as a sporting uh, society when you find people like me reporting on the mundane day-to-day female athletes and things. Not the dramatic story, not the story of the hard done by things that they've been put through and why is it taking so long or why, it, it, all these big stories that people like me always want to report on. When I'm starting to write about the mundane day today, like for example, I rang up the kind of coach and the friend the other day there, just to have a chat that may or may not be an interview, that may or may not be published, but just because I wanted to get a feel for what I'm gonna be reporting on. We, none of us in media do that. We don't kind of speculate on female sports. We need to have them winning or we need to have them uh, being treated wrong or you, you know it has to be a big story.
3: So for me at this point the single most important issue for the federations, for the clubs, uh, for the schools and colleges, uh, for the public in terms of parents is, is All the same, it's one issue. It comes back to those seven-year-old twins who arrive at their local club, whether that's in a mainstream sport or a minority sport. The question is, do both of those children have the same opportunity? Whether that opportunity is to be an elite athlete, to be a club player, or to be someone who just enjoys the sport that they have chosen. Are the opportunities equal for that seven-year-old boy and for that seven-year-old girl?
1: Completely, my my job as a journalist to shine a light on two or three things that we should go after, you know? The editor then makes a decision, you know? But it's my job to put it in front of him to give him the options. I was gonna say he or she, but it's it's almost across the board, he. Give them options to go, yeah, we will do this. Like, no editor will turn out a, a really good story. They won't back away from a good story, you know? So it's, it is up to the journalists to give them the options, you know, we lean towards, male sports, over and over again.
0: There's a phrase that Hilary Knight, who's a, a American ice hockey player who led their revolt back in 2017, it was, be bold for change. And I just think it's brilliant because you have to. Other people aren't gonna do it for you. Sometimes all it takes is asking a question. Big things can come from asking a small question. People need to realise the power and the potential that they hold themselves.
3: What is incumbent now is on all the stakeholders who have been galvanised, who have been focused on trying to right the wrongs of the past, about those that have tried to put the foundations in place for now and for the future. It's incumbent on them to continue that great work. You have to check yourself. You have to ask yourself, is what I'm doing equal? There's always going to be a lack of funding. There's always going to be a lack of of everything being perfect, but it's got to be a lack of everything perfect for both those seven-year-olds. If you are in a cycle where you have done anything pretty much the same way, consistently, for a protracted period of time. The only way to change that is to ask questions, whether they're questions you ask of yourself, whether they're questions that the team around you ask of you, or whether they're questions that society at large force you to answer. And and they can be the smallest and seemingly most insignificant questions, or they can be big, strategical, thought processes and and opportunities. But the requirement for individuals and collectives to sense check themselves when they fundamentally want to drive change and they want to make things different from the way they have always been, the only way to do that, the only way to do that is for questions big and small to be asked. For me, equity is
0: about treating men and women according to their needs. The needs that women have at the moment are far greater than the needs that men have.
2: Brands invest, you know, huge amounts of money in sport. You know, they have the ability to be able to say the money that I'm putting into this needs to be split equally. They have an ability to be able to influence federations, they have ability to be able to influence media coverage like they have a lot of power they are deciding where they're putting their investment same for media as well you know it's the same for federations you know coming in to talk about sport they can also say their female athletes are very important to them and their ex- the exposure of the female athletes within their federation is is a really important aspect everybody who is involved in sport has the ability to be able to influence people that they're speaking to.
1: I feel like we're past asking questions. Like I'm talking about protest. I think it's the only way you can actually get change. And we've learned this in throughout society forever, and we're seeing it all the time now in America. But for women's sports to get where they want to go, it's going to have to be protest. When the attention is on them, they're going to have to point out the glaring inequality that's happening in their sports. And that's not an easy thing to do. I think the generation that comes now, the teenagers and the people in their early twenties now, they realise that you have to be bit more than just an athlete if you want to kind of bring your sport on to another level. If you want to make real lasting change, just take advantage of the spotlight. That's just that's just the reality today.
2: Like when a Sports CEO came in to speak to us about the coverage of his sport, he actually came and started to speak about the women's game with much more interest and push than he did about the men's game. And that had a big impact on everybody around the table. So it is really important. People in my strong positions use their influence around this aspect if they see it as important for their federation or brand or, or media organization or whatever. Like I think every stakeholder is really important, whether they're, it's education, institution, whether it's the government, whether it's the sports federations nationally, internationally, media and and sponsors. Like We all have a really important part to play and every one of us needs to look at what we're doing to try and change the landscape. What are you doing and why are you doing it and what could you be doing better is awakening some biases in all of us and making us aware of what we're doing. And I think it's really important that continues. And I think that has been a big part of what 2020 has done for all of us. We could be leaders and drive this as a small country. So the more of us that come together and build a network that's wide ranging, the better it'll be for everybody.
3: It's easy also To use the words like stakeholder, pillars, every one of those is people involved in the sports industry who have the power to make decisions. It's going to be incumbent on every person involved, whether you're a volunteer at your local club or whether you are the CEO of a commercial or sporting federation every decision you make is going to have an impact. And I would love if 20 by 20 was still, or or some form of movement was still there in order to ensure that this doesn't fall off the side of a table. Touch wood, things will settle down and some form of old normal will return and, and then you just hope the momentum hasn't been lost.
4: As 20 by 20 says goodbye, we know that the final part of the movement's legacy is to communicate that what happens next is in each of our hands. As parents, as sports fans, as anyone who's part of a club or a school, or anyone working within the media, across the sporting governing bodies, or for a commercial brand. By all asking questions of society and of ourselves, we can change the future for women in sport.